So it's um, May 5th, 2005, uh, Italy, Rome, Italy. It's actually the, the Italian Open, big uh, professional, professional tennis, of which I pretty much know nothing, so I'm not going to speak as an expert here at all. Um, but I want to describe to you what happened that day uh, at that place, because it's kind of, a, I think, a cool story. Andy Roddick, some of you probably certainly know his name. He was a great, great tennis player. This is whatever, 15 years ago. He was uh, number three in the world at the time. He was number one here in the States. He's playing, and he's going up against this uh, Spanish tennis player, and he's doing really well. Andy Roddick is. He's, he's about to win it. He, uh, it's 7-5, 7-3, and now it's uh, Love 40. Um, I wasn't even fully aware of what all of that meant. Um, so I called my sister because she's a, she played, she played college tennis and I kind of read the details to her and she sort of explained it to me. And so I said, okay, so this sounds like this is the equivalent of, uh, two outs in the bottom of the ninth with two strikes on you. And she was like, yeah, I guess it sort of is. Um, this was it, like for this Spanish guy going up, like it was, it was the last out, the last strike of the game, basically. Um, he serves and it's out. So he's got one last serve. This one isn't, if he doesn't serve this one right, then it's, it is over. Takes a shot and it's ruled out a second time. So it's over. Um, both players kind of approach the net. Uh, the loser extends his hand to con- congratulate this guy, uh, Roddick. He's walking to the net too, but not, not to do the congratulations thing. He's, uh, if you watch the pictures, he's looking down at the court and he's then focusing on this one particular area. It was a clay court, so he can see where the ball landed and he can see the smudge on the clay. And the ball hit the line, which means it was good. It was ruled out, but it was in. So he goes over to the, the umpire, the judge, and he kind of explains that to him. Nobody else saw it. Even the Spanish guy, he didn't even argue it. He just, they all presumed it was out. But Roddick thought it was in, and then he kind of confirmed it with checking out this smudge. So he tells the, uh, he tells the umpire, and they, they overturn the call. So the winner, the guy who was, had won at that moment, put a stop to that. And he said, no, I didn't, I, didn't, I didn't win yet. This Spanish guy then stages this crazy comeback, like not to be believed. And he wins it. He wins uh, that game, the set, and the match. And he had lost it. For a couple of seconds, it was over. I mean, it was just such a, such a great display of certainly sportsmanship, right? Um, but I think more than that, um, in a broader sense, integrity. You know, Roddick's decision at that point just said a lot about Roddick. And I think his integri- integrity... And I wonder where that comes from. 
Like, what made him do that in that moment? He didn't have to. Nobody was even arguing for it. He didn't have to put up an argument. They say he lost, not only did he lose that day, he lost like thousands of dollars. Money that he would have won had he kept his mouth shut. So where does that come from? I mean, I suspect it comes from somebody somewhere at some time who instilled a certain value in him. I suspect probably back when he was a kid, the value of being honest, even when it's difficult, even when it costs you, especially when it costs you, you still, you still do the honest thing, no matter what. He must have heard it, he must have witnessed it, and now he himself lived it. You know, a couple of years ago, I was in Florida on vacation for a couple of days, and I was, I was in this store, it was sort of like the equivalent of like a 7-Eleven. They don't have them down there. I, I think it was a Wawa, I think that's what they call them. And uh, I'm, I'm in the store, and there's a guy uh, at the register, and he's buying uh, lottery tickets. And right behind him online, there's a couple of kids, 12-year-olds maybe, three boys, and they've all got like Snapples or Gatorades in their hand. They're waiting to buy them. And I'm, I'm not even online yet. I'm kind of walking down the aisle. But in this three or four seconds, I see all of what I'm about to tell you. Um, the guy buying the lottery tickets, he takes out his wallet. And in the course of taking out of his, the wallet out of his pocket, I guess he had cash in his, in his pocket, not in the wallet. So he takes the wallet out, and money comes out, and it lands on the, on the ground. But he doesn't see it. He doesn't know it. It almost lands on the feet of these three kids. And I'm kind of approaching, and I kind of see that, and nobody else can see it. The guy doesn't know. The, the guy who works there doesn't know it. Nobody else was around. And in that second or two, uh, these, these three kids, they, they look down at the money, and you could tell it was more than a, it was more than a, a one. It was more than a bill. I couldn't see what the numbers on it were, but it was more than one bill. So he looks down, and then they immediately kind of look at each other, don't say anything, and then one of, one of these three kneels, uh, kneels down and picks up the money and then taps the guy on the shoulder and says, you know, mister, you, you dropped the money. Um, and the guy kind of look, looked at him and just, you know, the guy just said, Thanks. He should have said more than thanks. He was just kind of a little, in my opinion, a little too, a little too, he should have, he should have said more. And the guy got his lot, lottery ticket, so now I'm right next to these kids. And I said to them, uh, how, much money did you, how much money did you pick up? And they said $80. $80. It was four, four $20 bills that they picked up. So I bought their Snapples. <laughs> I was like, somebody's got somebody's to affirm these kids. The, the guy who should have didn't, but like somebody's got to kind of affirm what they did. And I did. I just said, man, that was awesome that you guys done that. I know you could have you snagged that money and nobody would have seen it. They just kind of looked at me and, you know, they didn't really say anything and thanked me for the, for the Snapples. Uh, well, I wonder where that came from. What was within them? Like, what told those, those three kids, nah, we gotta, we gotta give the guy his money? I guess, I suspect, somebody, somewhere, at some time, probably lots of times, instilled that in them. 
Like, hey, you don't take what's not yours. Even though you're not going to get caught, you still do the right thing. You do the right thing even when nobody sees it. Somebody, that didn't, just, that, that didn't just come from their gut, I believe, I suspect, somebody said, no, this, this is what you do. You do the right thing. You don't cheat, and you don't steal. You tell the truth. Well, how often are we tempted not to do those things, right? Probably in the course of our lives, there have been times when we didn't do the right thing. We remained quiet when we should have said something. We stepped away when we should have stepped forward. We knew it was right, but we kind of surrendered to whatever it was that was almost seducing us. You know, this reading tonight, first reading from the Old Testament, Deuteronomy, basically it's a, it's a series of talks that Moses gave to the, to the Jewish people right before they entered the Promised Land. What we get tonight, this little piece, it's pretty important because Moses says this. He says to the people, a prophet like me, God is going to raise up. He's like me. He's actually better than me. So listen to him. When this prophet shows up, recognize him and follow him. Listen to him. A prophet greater than Moses. Like to us, we're like, yeah, okay. To them, that was like unthinkable. Nobody was greater than Moses to the Jewish people. He was it. He was the one you listen to. He was the one you follow. Nobody had more authority than Moses. And Moses in this moment says, this other guy is coming and he's, he will ha- listen to him. And then you get the gospel tonight. It says Jesus entered the synagogue and it says they were astonished. They couldn't believe. They were astonished at his teaching and his authority. All were amazed and they asked each other, what is this? Who is this guy? He's the one that Moses was talking about in Deuteronomy. These readings are totally connected. It's not a coincidence. You got Moses saying, somebody bigger than me, more true than even me, is going to come. And you better recognize him. And then you got to commit to him. And the gospel is, this is it, and I'm the one. It's Jesus. In other words, I think this, this is really what's being said in these two readings, that to somebody or something more important than winning the Italian Open. And there's something and someone more important than finding 80 bucks when you're 12 years old. And you know what? That's not nothing. Yeah, when I was 12 years old, if I found 80 bucks, that was a big deal. And if you're a professional athlete, winning matters. And there's nothing wrong with that. And being competitive is nothing to apologize for or about. All I'm saying, more importantly, I think all that Andy Roddick said was, yeah, that's incredibly important. But there's actually something even more important than winning, is being honest, not being a cheat. And to that authority, I kind of bow. Not the authority of winning at all cost. Not the authority of, man, I got 80 bucks now to spend on a lot more than a Snapple. 
No, I'm going to kind of bow to the, the authority of telling the truth and doing the right thing and just being a good person. So here's the question. Who's your authority? We know what the readings are saying. It's a given. It's got to be Jesus. Like, to whom do we listen? We know who we're supposed to listen to. But I think too often, you know what we do? We listen to him, but not first. Maybe second, third, or fourth, we check out what he has to say. But other things blind us and pull us in. And we bow to those things way before we bow to him. To whom do we listen? You know, I was just watching a little while ago. It's still on right now. Godfather 2 is on. It's such an amazing movie. And uh, it's the great scene where Michael Corleone, Al Pacino, says to his brother Fredo, don't ever go against the family. Don't ever go against the family. Because for Michael Corleone, corrupt, evil Michael Corleone, power and money and protecting the family, that was the most important thing. And you do whatever you have to to protect those things. So don't ever go against the family. No, you actually, you do go against the family if the family's wrong, if the family's dishonest, if the family's corrupt. Because there's no way Jesus is in that, on that side. So well, what do I do when it's, it's, it's a choice between Jesus and my family? Hey, it really shouldn't be a struggle. I know it sometimes is, but it shouldn't be. He's always got to come first. He's always got to be number one. I was reading this article, uh, it must have been last week or since last week, and it was just talking about the, the, the Washington, I mean, politics today, the, the culture, our country. It was a very sort of dark kind of an article. It talked about just the division in our country. People talking about like almost like civil war, speaking in like, man, could we be moving towards like civil war kind of differences. There seems to be such, a div such division. We're so polarized, red state, blue state, left, right, Democrat, Republican. Like something's, something's not wrong. It's like, a, it's like a tumor or something that's growing in the, in the heart of our, of our nation. And it's got to be looked at. Schools, Abraham Lincoln taking Abraham Lincoln's name off a school? Like, what? Like people like lost, San Francisco like lost their mind? Abraham Lincoln? George Washington? Like, what's happening? Anyway, one of the responses to those questions in this article was this, and I think this guy's right. He said, we all, we're watching way too much news. You know, whatever it was, 25, 30 years ago before cable, we didn't watch the news nearly as much because there were only a handful of channels and it was not 24-7. So now, you know, we watch whatever the channel we watch, whatever the one that sort of affirms our, our beliefs and our perspective, and we watch it endlessly. It's the same three or four stories in an hour. These get repeated and repeated and repeated. So we get more and more upset we get more and more sort of polarized. I really do think, you know why I really believe it? I see it in myself. I do watch too much of it. 
I find myself getting angry. And hey, there's legitimate reason, lots of reason to be angry. But what it's doing is it's making us like tribal. We're becoming like warring tribes. That's terrible. It's all about the party you belong to. Well, we were, I was always, my, my parents were a member of this party, so I've got to be, that's crazy. Vote for what's right. Vote for what's true. Vote for what Jesus, if you could interpret, what I think Jesus would do on this issue, this cause, this legislation. Not what my party is saying. What's right? What's the right thing to do? The article had said, like, they, nobody ever crosses the aisle anymore. Republicans all vote the same way. Democrats all vote the, the same way. Nobody crosses over the aisle and says, you know what? In this case, I think you guys got it right. I'm voting on the other side of the aisle. Hey, if Jesus is on the other side of the aisle, if Jesus is on the other side of the aisle, we better cross the aisle. <laughs>